Good morning, Fairhaven, and Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today, as we kind of, as we start 2023, as we start a new year, uh, especially as a Michigan fan, I think it's important we, we cl- just close the year on 2022, like just close the door on it, right? Like it's over, it's done, we can't do anything about it anymore. So like let 2022 be in the past and uh, wake up today in this new year 2023, which means uh, all I know uh, all I know of 2023 this year is we have an Ohio State loss, right? If anything made it work, made it worth like staying up for the ball to drop, because can we just name that like the ball dropping is like the most anticlimactic like holiday thing we do all year, right? Like we stay up late only to like watch this thing go down a pole and then there's lights on our TV and then we all just go to bed, right? Like, but if anything made it worth it this year, it's that field goal goes left. No good. Uh, that. That was worth staying up for. But uh, it's 2023. And so uh, we are going to be uh, today, kind of as we start a new year, as we start 2023, we're also going to be kind of putting a close on something we've been doing over the last 12, 13, almost 14 months. If you've been a part of uh, Fairhaven of a Harbor Church over the last year plus, You know, we've been working through the book of Matthew. All of last year, we've been walking slowly through the book of Matthew. And so today, we're actually going to kind of put a close on that last year of studying the book of Matthew. And so if you're somebody that wants to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28 today. Uh, Matthew 28. But we're going to be going through 28 a little bit differently. Where normally what we do is we're going to take a passage and we're going to dive deep. We're going to look at what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on underneath. We're going to dive into the passage. But today, uh, we're going to take a little bit different approach. Instead of diving deep into this, what I want to do is I want to step back a little bit. And I want to look back over the last year of Matthew at specifically kind of a few different invitations, a few different maybe commands, invitations that Jesus has offered his disciples, his world, that I think could be helpful for us as we stand in this moment of closing 2022 and stepping into 2023. Because I do think for many of us, these days, these kind of moments, New Year's, uh, there are different things that, that are these moments that kind of cause us to kind of reflect and look back and plan going forward, right? Like, I've never been a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, but, but I do feel like there are a, a handful of days that feel like they're kind of baked into the year, that they're kind of built into the calendar that cause us to stop and reflect. Because I do think living intentionally, living on purpose, matters. It's important. And it feels like there's a handful of days that for me, often uh, when I have a birthday, a birthday for me at least, often creates this, this space where I look back on the last year. Right? I look back on, on what was, on the things that I gave myself to, on the things that happened, and on my response to the things that happened. And I, I look forward on my birthday to say, okay, what, what do I want to leave in the last year? What do I want to start new? What, what do I want next year to look like? That I know for my wife and I, like, our anniversary becomes a moment where we can stop and we can ask the questions. Like, what, 
What did the last year look like? What, what is anything, is there anything we want to do different in this next year? And like, it's not just on the anniversary. It's not just on the birthday. But it feels like those are moments that cause us to reflect on what was, to look forward to what will be, and to, to be maybe a little bit more intentional. And so New Year's always kind of feels like it's one of those moments. You look back on what was on 2022, you look forward to what's coming in 2023, and it feels like it's one of those moments where we can kind of take the temperature, where we can check what we gave ourselves to and what we want to do, what, what we want to be, what we want to give ourselves to in 2023. And so as we close Matthew... I want to kind of step back and look at largely kind of three invitations that Jesus has offered through the book, but we're going to start with that last one in Matthew chapter 28. So it says, then the 11 disciples, because remember at this point, Judas is, is out, he's gone. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the book of Matthew closes with Jesus and his 11 disciples. Jesus sends them to a mountain. Jesus then meets up with them there and Jesus gives them an invitation, a command to do what? Go, right? Jesus gives them that invitation at the end of the book to go. Now this isn't the first invitation. It's not the, it's not the only invitation that Jesus is has invited them into. And so again, today, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of leave go here for a minute. We will be back here. But I want to start by stepping back and kind of titling the today, When the Rabbi Says. Because Jesus, Jesus is our, if, if you've said yes to Jesus, Jesus is our rabbi, right? Jesus was a first century rabbi. Jesus started his ministry at 30. He called disciples to follow him. He went around the world teaching about the kingdom of God. And if you are here and you've said yes to Jesus, Jesus then is our rabbi. He's your rabbi. So what does that mean? Well, I think it means looking at kind of three, I want to kind of phrase it in those three invitations that Jesus offers, starting with the very first one we find, uh, that when the rabbi says, come. Because if we look back to near the beginning of the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, we read this. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So the first invitation that Jesus offers is the invitation to, to come. Peter and Andrew, we read, they were, they're busy fishing. They're, they're doing, they have their sights set on something, right? They're, they're probably living into their family trade they are doing the work that they've been about. They're fishing. And in this moment, Jesus comes to them. 
Jesus approaches, and Jesus starts with just simply that invitation to come. Your sights have been set on that you're giving your life to this thing. You're giving your life to the boat, to the nets, to the fish. Jesus' first invitation is to turn their sights, to shift their focus, and instead to place it on Jesus. The first invitation is this invitation to come, to focus our eyes, to set our eyes on the person of Jesus. And the thing about this invitation is, is I think this is an invitation that, that, that each and every one of us at some point have to respond to, right? The invitation to come, to set our eyes on Jesus. And this invitation also is one of those things that I think for some of us, we have large moments in our lives where if, if you're somebody who has said yes to Jesus, you may look back and you have a moment in your life where you have a story where you responded to that call. Where, where you had this, this interaction, you had some sort of revelation, Jesus became real to you, you felt that invitation to come, and you responded. Uh, for some of you, that might have been a process that took so long, it's hard to put an actual finger on a moment when it happens. But this is also an invitation that I think some of us have those large moments when we said yes to Jesus, but then we also have these small moments along the way where we, we might be busy doing something else, and again, Jesus gets our attention and says, no, no, come over here. Uh, for me, as I think on my life, I think back uh, to my moment when I felt Jesus issue this, this invitation to me. Because I had always grown up thinking I was going to be an engineer. Uh, my dad is an engineer. Uh, he actually just retired from engineering. But my entire life, like, if you ask me what I wanted to do in my life, I wanted to grow up and be like dad. It's what I wanted to do. It's the thing I gave my life to. Through high school, I'm going to be an engineer. I start college at Grand Valley State University down the street to be an engineer. It's what I want to do. And yet, during uh, my, my first couple years of college, what happened is, uh, God placed some relationships in my life, some friendships in my life, some people who, even though I had kind of, I'd grown up in the church, I met some people who showed me a different way of, of what faith looks like, of what following Jesus looks like. And what I found is in my life, I found myself captivated by the person of Jesus, by who Jesus is. And in that moment, I felt this invitation of Jesus to, to come. You, you're busy doing this thing. Peter and Andrew were busy. They were busy with their, with their fishing boats. For me, I was busy doing something else, and I felt the invitation of Jesus to turn, to set my, eye, to set my sights on him to come. But do you notice Jesus... This isn't the only invitation, right? There's, there was a second piece that was built into that very invitation, right? Did you catch it? If we put it back on the screen, it says, so the second one, when the rabbi says, follow. If we put those words back up, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will, I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed. See, I, I want to spend a fair amount of time on this invitation. When the rabbi calls to follow. Because I think, if I'm honest, as I, look at, as I look at the church over the last number of years, I wonder if we've always done a good job explaining this or inviting people into this. 
Because I think in a lot of ways, the church has done a good job with that first one, with the invitation to come, with the invitation inviting people to say yes to Jesus. And I think through, through history, the church has done a pretty good job with the third one, the invitation to go, to go into the world and to tell people about the person of Jesus. I wonder, though, how often we've done well on that second command, the invitation to follow. The invitation to actually follow the one we say yes to, to follow our rabbi. And in order to understand what it means to follow, I want to step back and look at what it looked like again for those initial followers of Jesus, for Jesus' first disciples. Because to be a disciple meant way more than just saying yes to believing in something and then going about your day and living however you wanted to. You couldn't do it. To be a disciple in the time of Jesus, to say yes to that invitation to come, to say yes to the invitation to follow, would be literally to orient your entire life around your rabbi. Your entire life would be devoted to following the one you said yes to. And, and following to them meant more than just trying to learn some more about. It meant way more than just trying to, to learn about your rabbi, what he thought about different things. To follow actually meant to give your life, to actually try to become like your rabbi, to actually become like the person you were following. So does that mean you want to know what your rabbi knows? Yes, absolutely it does. But part of it was you want to know what your rabbi knows so that you can live the way your rabbi lives, so that you model your life. Your life looks like the one you're following. There was actually a blessing that would be given in the first century, around the first century, that if somebody in your family or your village was going to follow a rabbi, there's a blessing that you might give that person as they're about to leave, and it's this. You would tell that person, may you be covered in the very dust of your rabbi. That as you go off to follow your rabbi, may you follow them so closely that as they are walking, as their sandals are kicking up the dust on the road, may you be following so closely that you are covered in their very dust. Essentially, may you miss none of it. May you miss nothing. May you be so intentional. May you follow so closely that your life is being covered actually by the physical dust of your rabbi and that your life is becoming more like your rabbi as the things you're experiencing and the things you're seeing are also shaping you. Because I think that the authors of the scriptures, they, they recognize that it's, it's almost like the way you live the way we live is almost like it's this path that we're walking, right? If, if you think back, you today are not the same person you were five years ago, right? Life has happened to you. You've responded to the things that have happened to you, and you sit here today different than you were five years ago. Five years from now, you will not be the same person you are sitting here today. Life will continue to happen. You will continue to respond to it. And the way you respond, the things that happen, will have a way of shaping you. Your life is on this, this path, this way that you're walking. And so it almost feels like the authors of the scriptures, they, they call us back to the question of what is the way you're walking? 
What is the path that your life is walking down? I think it's actually why the, uh, the first followers of Jesus, they, they didn't actually call themselves Christians yet. Right? The word Christian to us today means somebody who follows Jesus, who says yes to these invitations of Jesus. The word Christian wasn't the word they used for the very first followers of Jesus. It would come a little bit later. But if we look in the book of Acts, we read what those first Christians called themselves. They want to look at a couple different passages in the book of Acts, all around one guy. A guy, uh, he starts by the name of Saul. So in the first passage, he's Saul. We know him better as Paul, the author of uh, the majority of the letters in our New Testament. But Paul, before he becomes Paul, Paul is for Saul. And Saul is standing in the way of the movement of Jesus. Saul, he grew up Jewish. He wants nothing to do with the way of Jesus. In fact, Saul is dedicating himself to persecuting the very movement of Jesus in the world. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, we read this. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the what? The way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. What did the first followers of Jesus call themselves? Followers of the way. Well, what is the way? Well, it's the way of Jesus. That the first followers of Jesus recognize that say yes to Jesus is more than just to say yes to a bunch of things that you think or you believe. It's to actually live your life, to commit yourself to living the way of Jesus. Saul starts by standing in the way. He wants to oppose this movement of Jesus' followers. And so Saul wants to go to Damascus to go to the synagogues to try to shut it down, to persecute the people there who are believing in Jesus. But what we find, if we're going to continue reading the book of Acts, Saul is going to have a moment where he's going to have this encounter, this experience with Jesus and in this experience, in, in this experience Saul has, he essentially sees Jesus essentially give him the, the invitation to come and to follow. And Saul's going to say yes. Saul's going to see his life flipped upside down because saying yes to Jesus means more than just thinking a different set of things. Saying yes to Jesus means for Saul living an entirely different way, taking on an entirely different life, marked by an actual change in his name so that we no longer know him as Saul. We know him as Paul because for him to say yes to the invitation to come and to follow meant a radical shift of everything to the point that Paul will end up in trouble for the very same things he was trying to persecute those followers of Jesus for. And if we fast forward to Acts chapter 24, Paul is now speaking and he says, I admit, that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is, in, that is, that is written in the prophets. The earliest followers of Jesus called themselves followers of 
the way, because when they step back and look at what, what is the way they're walking, what, is their, what are they giving themselves to, they understood that to say yes to the invitation to, to come and to follow was to walk the way of Jesus, to, to try to give their lives to becoming like their rabbi. See, I wonder again how well, how well we've always grasped that in the church. And so for me, as I think back to my childhood growing up, to, the, to a, a moment in my life when I was going to stand in front of my home church where I grew up and I was going to make what, what we called our profession of faith, where I was standing on a stage to profess my faith. And in order to do that, some of you that are maybe my age or older, maybe you, you know what this is like, that in order to be able to stand on a stage and say, I believe in Jesus, I first needed to go through a room of elders. Anybody else have to do this? Where as a young teenage kid, I get called into a room where there's this giant mahogany table and all these leather chairs and like all of like the older people at my church that I was like scared and intimidated by, right? And then there's the empty seat for me, right? And so you sit down and it's like firing squad grilling time of the 14-year-old the kid, Right? But as I, as I think back on that moment, I, I think it was well-intentioned. I, I think my church probably taught better, but what I caught from it is as I look back at the questions that I was asked, I was asked a lot of good questions. Like, who is Jesus? Is Jesus God? Like, wh- what is the Bible? Like, I was asked some good questions. But what I think is interesting are the questions that weren't asked. It's, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. What wasn't asked is, okay, how does your believing Jesus is the Son of God change the way you live on Tuesday? How does your believing what you believe change the way you interact with your sister? How does your wanting to stand in front of a church and proclaim your faith in Jesus, how does that change the way you interact with the kids in the cafeteria? How, how does it impact the way you look at the outsider, the one who's not like you. What is your faith in Jesus? How does that impact the way you forgive? What does it look like to love your neighbor? Like, what does it look like when you actually put the things you believe on the ground and live them out? Because I think we make a big deal of the, the Jesus says, come. Jesus says, believe. The, the, the things that we believe, that's important, yes. But we can't mistake the Jesus invitation. We can't neglect Jesus' invitation to follow, to model our lives, to orient our lives, to be people like those first disciples who live our lives in a way that hopefully we are being covered by the dust of our rabbi. If we put that blessing back up, then may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. As we approach 2023, I want to ask the question, what dust is your life covered in? What dust is your life covered in? Your life is walking a path. You are walking a way. Right? You're walking away. The dust of the way you're walking is going to end up on you. What, what dust is your life covered in? Uh, Jesus will say, not to mix metaphors, but Jesus will say 
that we can often tell the way, the, the, the path that we're living, the way that we're living, we can often judge it by the fruit it produces, right? If your, if your life, Jesus says, is, is rooted in him, is walking the way of him, our life should produce fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Paul will use this long list of, of fruit that will come out of a life that is dedicated to, that is oriented on, that is rooted in the person of Jesus. What, what has it looked like for you in 2022 to say yes to Jesus to follow? What has that looked like for you? Uh, the first one, the rabbi says, Come. The second, the rabbi says, follow, live your life, model your life, pattern it after me, give yourselves to the things that will help you become like me. And then the third invitation that we end with, when the rabbi says, go. I want to read those words one more time from the end of the gospel. Uh, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That for Jesus, if we say yes to the invitation to come, to to set our eyes, to set our sights on Jesus, if we say yes to the invitation to follow, to model our lives after the person of Jesus, to be covered in his dust, the next thing that happens is we need to respond to that invitation to go. And here I think we can overcomplicate it. Because I think we, often when we talk about going, when we talk about being witnesses, ambassadors, when, when we talk about, being, about going into the world with the good news of Jesus, often, often some of us, like, your, your hands and feet start to get clammy, right? Like, but like, what if, what if I don't know what to say? But what if, but, but, but what if? But I think what we find as we read through the scriptures is that if we say yes to the first invitation, if we say yes to the second invitation, we will kind of naturally lead into the third. Uh, Peter, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter will say this. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Now pay attention to this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So notice what Peter doesn't say. Always be prepared to give a speech. Always be prepared to give a lecture. Always be prepared, be prepared to like grab the soapbox and the megaphone at the, like, as people are walking into the Michigan game, right? Like, always be prepared to give what? An answer to anyone who asks you the question about the hope that you have. See, I think Peter has this understanding that if you say yes, if we are people who say yes to the first invitation to come to set our eyes on Jesus, if we say yes to the second invitation to follow, to actually follow the way of our rabbi, to be covered in his dust, that we will naturally then be people who live lives that the rest of the world are curious about. That the rest of the world are asking questions about. To live the way of Jesus, to live the way of generosity in the midst of a world that that so quickly tips towards greed. To live the way of forgiveness in a world of revenge and get even. 
to live the way of, of love, to live the way of, 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 of grace, to, to live that way in so many ways, if we are actually people who are covered in the dust of our rabbi of Jesus, in so many ways, the way of Jesus was countercultural to his world, and I think is still countercultural to our world today. And so the hope, the hope is that if we say yes to that, if we live into that, we then become people who are living the type of lives that cause the rest of the world to ask questions. I heard a missiologist once, a guy by the name of Michael Frost, uh, using this passage. He says, to be somebody who follows the way of Jesus is, is to be someone who lives a questionable life. Right? A, li- a life that causes people to ask questions. Uh, Paul will say something similar in the book of Colossians. He'll say this. Speaking to the church, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. Uh, Paul speaking about himself, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So Paul's saying for for people like him who are to go into the world and, and proclaim this message, pray for him. And then he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So those who have not said yes to Jesus, make the most of every opportunity Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. If we say yes to the invitation to come, if we say yes to the invitation to follow, the hope is we become people who then model a different way of living to the world that causes the world to ask questions of why why do you have hope in the midst of all of the despair? Why, Why do you treat people the way that you do? Why do you live the way that you do. Uh, the invitation to come, the invitation to follow, the invitation to go. And in that last one, in that invitation to go, and what that looks like, uh, one of my favorite examples of what that could look like is, is if we look at these two different stories that we see in the life of Jesus with Jesus' interaction with two different tax collectors. Because Jesus will have inter- two, two significant interactions with two different tax collectors. The one a guy by the name of Matthew, that we read Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, has this interaction with this tax collector named Matthew. Jesus will invite Matthew to come and to follow. And what does Matthew do? He leaves his tax collector booth. He leaves it all behind and he gives himself to something new. He will follow Jesus as one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Uh, Jesus will have another interaction with another tax collector. Uh, Anybody know the other tax collector? He's a wee little man, right? Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Jesus has an interaction with Zacchaeus. Different tax collector. Jesus will give the same invitation. Zacchaeus, come and follow. But for Zacchaeus, what does it look like? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, we don't read that it means for him to leave the tax collector booth and to actually follow Jesus as his 13th disciple. We, we don't read that. But for Zacchaeus, the invitation to come and to follow, to be covered in the dust of his rabbi, didn't mean to actually leave and do something new. For Zacchaeus, it meant to be a different type of tax collector. One who is following the way of Jesus in the thing that he was doing. The invitation to come, the invitation to follow, the invitation to go. As you look back on 2022... 
What's the one that it feels like you're being invited into? Uh, for some of you, uh, for some of you, I wonder. I wonder if, if for some of you, there might be some of you here who, who are, are being invited into that first one. Maybe you're here and uh, you've been with us for the whole last year, for some of the last year, and for you, you've not yet said yes to Jesus, but you've, you've been paying attention, you've been watching, you've been kind of uh, watching as we've been going through the book of Matthew, focusing on the person of Jesus. Maybe for you, the invitation today is, the, is, is, is to respond to that. Maybe today is the, is the day that you step in and, and, act, and give a response to that question, that invitation to come. Every summer in August, we do a big baptism event where people respond uh, to that invitation. And I don't think it's too early to even start thinking about that for you. And if you're there, uh, Pastor Lori, myself, we would love to have a conversation with you about what it might look like for you to respond to that invitation of Jesus Maybe for you it's the invitation to follow. That you've, you're somebody who you've said yes to Jesus, but as you explore what does that actually mean for the, you, the way that you live on Tuesday, or the way that you live as a mechanic, or an accountant, or a business owner, or a teacher, or whatever that fill in the blank is, what does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to follow? And wherever God has placed you, what does it look like for you in your context, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, to be covered in the dust of your rabbi? Maybe for you, the invitation as we enter 2023 is to take those next steps to follow. And if if you're there... We would also love to chat with you. A a way that you could even respond, if you don't know what that even looks like, there is a next step card in the back of the pew in front of you. I'd love to even invite you to fill that out, even if it's just, I would love to chat with somebody about what it might look like for me to live in the dust of my rabbi. And then the third, that invitation to go. Uh, to, To live differently, to model your life on the person of Jesus, to go out into wherever, whatever, whatever world, whatever context God has you placed in, to point people, maybe even just by the way that you live, by the dust that you're covered in, to the one that you've said yes to. But as we, as we kind of enter into 2023, I want you to hold on to these invitations, to come, to go, to follow, and to go. To hold on to those to ask God which of those he might be inviting you to take next steps in today, and then uh, to enter in taking those steps. Uh, Would you pray with me? God, for wherever each and every one of us are, God, it's my hope, it's my prayer that we might hear your invitation to, to come follow to go and make disciples, to step into the world uh, following your way, following your path, being covered in your dust. And so God, as we, as we enter into this new year of 2023, may we enter it dirty. May we enter it covered in your dust. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.